This is a Kitty Pod production. The Keep It To Yourself podcast is recorded on the ancestral land of the Mohican tribe. Before we start this episode, I just want to give you a little content warning. We are going to talk about autism and suicide, and as such, suicide, suicidal ideation, and thankfully the prevention of same will be discussed in this episode. If you are in crisis or you know someone who is, give them this number. It's the U.S. Suicide and Crisis Lifeline, and all you have to do is dial 988. Counselors will be available 24-7 all year round. So when you're in crisis and you need someone to talk to and you don't have family or close trusted friends around, these people can lend you their ears and they can talk you out of doing it. You know what it is. I don't have to tell you. Okay, so just thought I'd tell you that out front. And now, on with the show. Thanks for listening. From Television City in Hollywood. Hey, man! Welcome to episode number 183 of the Keep It To Yourself podcast, the most above-average podcast ever to hit your ear holes. And if you hear a type of sound in the background, I'm drying my clothes right now. And I wouldn't be surprised if the timer went off Anytime during the course of this recording. All right, with that out of the way, my name, as always, is Jason Bullet. I demand the hour, demand the power, too sweet to be sour. And I'm coming to you once again from the rolling and sun-drenched hills of Saratoga County, New York. Here we are in mid-May 2023. Now, you may have noticed you only heard just one voice instead of the usual cast of characters that begins every Kitty Pod show. Well, that's because since last I spoke and you listened, the world of professional wrestling lost an absolute legend in superstar Billy Graham. He's usually second in the line of sound drops that marks the beginning of every episode of this podcast and has been for some time. This past week, superstar Billy Graham passed away at the age of 76 and condolences to his family, his fellow colleagues in the wrestling business, and all those who knew him. So there you have it right there. Well, we're going to go from a sad topic to... I would say it's sad in some corners, but this is a serious topic. We're going to continue Mental Health Awareness Month here on the Kitty Pod, the month of May. And that is, we're going to talk autism and the S-word. No, not that S-word. We're talking a longer and more serious one. Okay, I should just take the wraps off right now. And we're going to discuss autism and its links to suicide, suicidal ideation, and how it can be prevented in those of us on the autism spectrum. This is not going to be a fun episode in any way, shape, or form. I'm going to tell you that right from the off. So much so that I decided to forego the vanity portion. But I will give you my social media And then we're going to dive right into it. Social media plugs as follows. Instagram at Keep It To Yourself Podcast. Facebook page, Keep It To Yourself Podcast. Likewise, world's loneliest email, kitypod at gmail.com. And I'll do shout outs for other podcasts coming up at the end of the show as is custom. But for now, let's get to the topic of this episode. As always... The links to the articles I'm going to reference in this segment will be posted in the show notes for this episode so you can have a read for yourself and get in tune with what I'm talking about here. 
Now, when it comes to researching articles for these type of episodes, pardon the mispronunciation there, I always try to find reputable sources from which to glean these articles. And I'm not going to read the whole thing off to you. I'm just going to summarize the main ideas that are relevant to this segment. This first article is from Spark for Autism, Simon's Powering Autism Network, or research rather, pardon me. And this was an article that came out in September of last year. So fairly recent, just over six months ago, but still. Now it says that there are few people who used to think about the risk of suicide among people on the autism spectrum. It was rarely a topic of research. It wasn't really a heavily researched topic. And PCPs, primary care physicians, didn't routinely ask about it. And most families were in the dark that their children face any particular risk of offing themselves. However, the last decade has brought about, you know, renew, I wouldn't say renewed interest, but it's become more of a topic of research and probably discussion among the medical community. As a group, those of us on the autism spectrum may be significantly higher to have a risk of youth and adults who do not have autism in terms of wanting to commit suicide or have suicidal ideations or behaviors of same. Now, there's a doctor named Lisa Horowitz, who is a suicide prevention researcher at the U.S. National Institute of Mental Health. She says, and I quote, it's an incredibly serious public health threat to our country and worldwide. What we know about people with autism is that they are at higher risk for many other medical conditions, so it follows that they may also be at higher risk for suicide, end quote. Now, society has put it on themselves for being slow to focus upon the act of offing oneself and prevention of same, particularly among the autism community, those who are neurodivergent. And that's according to Dr. Paul Lipkin, who is a pediatric neurodevelopmental specialist and director of medical outpatient services at the Kennedy Krieger Institute in Baltimore, Maryland. I referenced them in an earlier episode when I did autism and physical activity. And Dr. Lipkin goes on to say that decades ago, people who were diagnosed with having ASD, autism spectrum disorder, also had severe developmental delays more often than not. And it didn't occur to their families or their doctors that they were going to off themselves. Well, public awareness, especially in recent years and during the COVID pandemic, has certainly brought that into light. Dr. Lipkin further says suicidal behavior may in fact be a leading cause of injury and death in the autism community and more needs to be done about this. And there ends the quote. Now, they also took a look at whatever extant research had been done on this topic through the last decade. And one study published in the COVID-ridden year of 2020 really stands out for its breadth, width, length, etc. We take you to Sweden for this one where researchers there identified 54,000 autistic people using medical records from 1987 through 10 years ago, 2013. And they compared the stats to 271,000 people who were neurotypical. So researchers used a control group to see if having a particular condition or treatment affects an outcome. So like a double-blind study, something like that. Now, the Swedish study said that also included thousands of people who have a relative with autism 
along with more than, get this, 1 million people who have neurodivergent, or neurotypical, excuse me, family members. Well, the research sussed out that the highest rate of suicide attempts and death by same among autistic people who do not have intellectual disability. And within that group, those on the spectrum with ADHD had the highest rate of all, 1 in 10, at 7 times higher than the comparison group. Also, those on the spectrum of intellectual disabilities also had a higher risk of wanting to off themselves, double the risk of the comparison group. And when it came to the female of the set, the study findings were also mind-rattling. One in five females who had both autism and ADHD, but not intellectual disability, have wanted to off themselves at least once. Other studies have not found a higher risk in girls and women, although they weren't as large as the Swedish study. All right, so we're going to move on to what puts people on the spectrum at risk. Well, there are three ones that stand out. First up, children on the spectrum are bullied more than their peers. Research showed that both bullies and their victims have a higher risk of suicidal thoughts and behavior, so this cuts both ways. Those on the spectrum have higher rates of underemployment or unemployment than the general populace. I can attest to that. And youth and adults on the spectrum have higher rates of mental health conditions such as depression, bipolar disorder, schizophrenia, anxiety, and the, and the aforementioned ADHD than other people. Sorry for the stutter steps. I'm keeping everything in. This is too serious a topic to want to leave stuff on the cutting room floor. I'm not even going to leave a gag reel. And also, you may have noticed I've used person first language. So instead of autistic people, for example, I say people with autism. All right, now back to the lecture at hand. Now they say learn who might be at risk. The article says, how do you know if someone is thinking about suicide? According to Dr. Horowitz, the best way to identify someone at risk for suicide is to ask them directly, end quote. So if you think you might not be, you think somebody you know is on the spectrum might be at risk of off themselves, you can't beat around the bush. You got to get right to the point, get right down to brass tacks. So what if an autistic youth mentioned it themselves? Well, the Spark article says, listen to a child who brings up the subject, says Dr. Horowitz. And she further says, we need to take all talk of suicide seriously and pay attention to it. While it's a very rare event, if a child is talking about thoughts of suicide or wanting to kill themselves, it's important to say things that make them feel less alone. For example, the adult could say, I'm glad you're telling me. I take this very seriously. My first priority is keeping you safe, and I want to be able to help you. We will get through this together. That's one thing you can say to them. I mentioned 988 at the top of the show. That's one method you could use. You can also test talk or home to 741741. That's the crisis text line. That's something you can use there. Now, as I mentioned earlier, you have to be direct in asking somebody whether or not they're going to think about offing themselves or they're just going to straight up do it. Well, regardless of whether or not you're neurotypical or neurodivergent or whatever, especially the latter, you have to be ready to help this person when if you feel as though they're showing signs. And I put a link here to a WikiHow article and it's entitled How to Help a Suicidal Autistic Person. They divide this up into several parts. 
Part one is identifying risk. And when you figure out that they are suicidal, the first thing you need to do is figure out how immediate the danger is. First step in that regard is to find out how immediate the risk is. Any thoughts of suicidal ideation present a serious risk, but some are even more urgent than others. You should ask questions like, how long have you felt like this? Do you have a plan for how to do it? Have you been gathering any supplies? Or have you been saying you're making plans, quote-unquote? It's not in the article, but that's my line of thinking. Number two is get immediate help if their life is at risk. If the person is what the article says is actively suicidal, then they need to get medical help stat. Get thee to an emergency room. This is a matter of safety, so in this case, you should get help even if they don't give you permission. Even if they go like, no, no, don't help. I'm good. Get them there right away, no matter the cost. A doctor or nurse can help them calm down and come up with a safety plan, treatment plan. You know, don't leave them alone. Stay with them. In some areas, getting the cops involved can be helpful to get a person you can't reach. For example, a person who has locked themselves in a room. Some police are trained for this. Now, there are many areas in the world they also say that taking your own life is illegal. However, here in the States, there have been cases of police officers traumatizing, injuring, or killing those who are suicidal, including those on the spectrum, sadly. So, here in the States, it may not be a good idea to get the cops involved. You don't want the fuzz in on this one. And also, if they're not in immediate danger, get the soonest available doctor's appointment and help them come up with a safety plan in case the urge strikes immediately. Number three, if they suddenly seem to be at peace, don't get faked out. Get help right away in that instance too. Once people make the decision to off themselves, they present a calmer demeanor. Now, strange as it may seem, that seems to be the case. This means any time now, it's, it can happen. Some signs are saying things like, it won't hurt anymore sooner. Don't worry, I won't be a burden for much longer. Insisting they don't need treatment, because they're going to be dead soon anyway. What's the point? Getting their affairs in order, like cleaning, writing, or updating their will, giving away possessions. Saying sudden appreciative thoughts, like, you've been such a good friend to me, or thanks for all you've done, or it's been nice knowing you, all that. Also, seeming serene or almost at peace, like this weird calm has come upon them. Now that you've identified the risk, you have to be a good listener. So when somebody on the spectrum tells you what's going on, mangled as their speech may be, it's important to respond gently and just let them have the floor, as it were. Number one is you should listen compassionately without passing judgment. Right now, your autistic loved one or friend needs to be heard. Do your best to stay calm no matter how horrifying the words coming out of their mouth may be. Don't tell them that it's selfish or sinful because it's only going to alienate them even more and make it even harder to help them. Don't guilt them by saying, this would destroy your family or you have so much to live for. Don't be saying stuff like that. Also, save your feelings for now. You can't let them out later, perhaps with another loved one. Number two is validate their feelings. Comfort them and let them know that you care. Validating their feelings helps them feel understood and process what's going on. Some examples of what to say is, that must feel awful, or that sounds rough. You must be feeling a lot of pain right now. Or simple phrases like, yeah, or I see. Third of all, show gentle support as you listen to them. 
Use little signs to let them know that you care about them. This encourages them to tell you everything and lets them know you love them and want them to stay alive and in your life. One gesture you can do is holding hands, hugging, or rubbing their back. That is if they like being touched. Or you can give them verbal support saying, I'm sorry to hear that, or I can tell you're hurting, or, oh, that's too bad. I don't know if you want to say it that way. It could be a little condescending. Number four, encourage them to take their time if they're struggling to speak. They need to feel that they can take as much time as they need and that there's no pressure from you. Ironically, not pressuring them to talk makes them even more open to talking more. Here are some phrases that can help. You can say phrases like, take as long as you need. I'm listening. Or you don't have to talk about now if you don't want to. You know, give them the time. If they don't have to talk about it right then, I'm sure that they'll talk about it when the time comes. They're good and ready to speak. You seem upset. If you need to pause and take some deep breaths, I can wait. Or, I understand you're having a hard time talking. That's okay. This is hard to talk about. Number five, recognize that they may not understand how serious this is. Due to alexithemia, autistic people can struggle with understanding their own emotions. And they may be surprised to see you so upset. I have trouble reading emotions too, being on the spectrum myself, so I can relate to that. Show them that you take this very seriously to help them recognize that their feelings matter and they shouldn't brush it off as weakness or just being in a bad mood. Even those who are neurotypical depressed people may not realize they are depressed. Number six, be kind but firm in dispelling any irrational thoughts. Anxiety can cause people to perseverate or repeat on false ideas. You say like, I'm a horrible sister or brother or sibling. Or I didn't thank him and now he thinks I hate him. Giving a firm, that's not true, or I don't believe any of that, can help break the cycle as it reminds them to evaluate whether their fears are based in reality. For example, talk to them about disturbing patterns. For example, they keep saying, I'm costing you and mom too much money, and you keep saying, no, you're not, then clearly that isn't enough to break the cycle. Try saying, you say this often, I can keep telling you it's not true, and still you keep saying it. Why are you saying this so often? Number seven, ask if there's anything you can do. An open-ended question like, how can I help, may confuse them, so it's best to ask specific questions. That way, they're more likely to be able to think of an answer. Some examples that are designated to get answers are, is there anything or anyone in your life that is particularly upsetting? Would you like to set aside some time this week to make a list of how we can make blankety-blank less stressful for you? Would it help if we hung out more? How about we set aside some time each Saturday morning to bead bracelets together, for example, like a specific activity. Number eight, follow up. Check up on them. Ask how they're doing and inquire about things that have been going on in their lives. If they pause for a bit, they're genuinely thinking. They may not know the answer right off. They may not know how to phrase it in a way they think you'll like or maybe evaluating whether you'd believe if they said, I'm fine. All right, well, we mentioned getting medical help earlier. And this is important as well. Number three is suicidal thoughts are a sign that something is seriously wrong. Mental illnesses, chemical imbalances in the brain that affect mood and daily functioning are likely at play. First thing you should do is help them call a hotline. Now I mentioned 988 a couple of times here are open. And there's also especially hotlines like the Trevor Project for those who are gay and on the spectrum especially. Also transgender too, boys, 
etc. One search online, can you can find a whole clearinghouse for these types of hotlines. If they're not comfortable chatting on the phone, they can go to crisischat.org and talk to a counselor by way of a text chat. The important thing here is to avoid chat-based crisis hotlines that are not done by medical professionals or allow people to volunteer, such as blah therapy. These kind of chat lines aren't done by professionals, so the listener's bias may come into play with something like, I'm sorry, I don't think I can help you. You're autistic, and I don't think anyone can help you. That's only going to serve to make the autistic person, or a person with autism, as I broke my own codicil about using people first language, it's going to make that person, him, her, them, feel worse. Number two, if you're not an adult, I don't know how many youngsters listen to this podcast, but if the person in question is not an adult, make sure they tell a trusted adult what's going on. Do so even if you were asked to keep this a secret. This is a matter of safety, so letting responsible adults know is very important. It may upset your autistic loved one, or a loved one with autism. I'm just rewording this with the people first language now, but it may also save their life. In the long run, they'll be grateful that you got help. Also, don't talk to an adult who may be abusive towards the person with autism, because they may abuse this information. Number three, offer to go to the doctor with them. A doctor can help figure out what is wrong and prescribe medication and or therapy for any illnesses they might have. The person in question, that is. You can help by staying with them, holding their hand, and offering moral support if wanted. Number four. This is important here. Be in it for the long run. The old saying goes, in for a penny, in for a pound, or in for a dime, in for a dollar. The first meds may not work. It often takes several tries to find pills that solve the problem, and it may take months to find the right prescription. Assure them that this is normal, and you're proud of them for sticking to it. I'm proud of myself for sticking to taking Zoloft for all this time, over a year now. Number five, help them find a good doctor. While most doctors are very helpful, there's a slight chance that you will meet a bad one. If so, recognize that they are wrong and the problem is real. Another doctor will treat this situation with the gravity and seriousness it so deserves. Six, remind them that it isn't their fault and they're not dragging you down. Suicidal people may feel like they're only being a burden to their friends and family. Having repeated love and reassurance can fix everything, but it can sure go a long way in helping the person. Alright, well, any type of mental illness you have, there's a positive lifestyle. That's the only way you can get around any troubles you have in that regard. You can indirectly fight the autistic person or person with autism suicidal thoughts. There I go again. By supporting them and making their world a happier place. Number one is watch them. Since they may have trouble understanding how they're doing, you can help by keeping an eye on them. If you notice a relapse or a mood swing toward the negative, you can check up on them and figure out what's going on. It may be worth keeping a journal to show doctors how they're doing. Number two, cut away bad influences from their lives, or cut them out too. Some people in groups feel that People with autism are tragic burns that need to be normalized at any cost. When autistic people feel like they're burdens or when their bodies are constantly controlled by others, they're more likely to feel depressed. Now, therapy is a good way to 
help out with mental illness, but ABA, which is Applied Behavior Analysis, may worsen the risk for mental health. It won't do you any good. Stay away from forums and other sites online, even the YouTube comment section. Probably should stay away from that just out of uh, general principle, but that may have a negative effect on your autistic identity. Some internet users feel so insecure about their lives that they come up with the most irrational, toxic nonsense they could dream up to bring others down. Do not feed the trolls. Don't poke the bears either. You're an important person with friends and family who love you for who you are. Number three, help them feel useful. If they feel like they're making a meaningful contribution, they're less likely to feel a burden, or feel like a burden, really. Here are some ways they can be helpful. Ask them to babysit or help you out in that regard. Go volunteer for a cause together. Encourage them to engage in their special interests, such as writing articles for WikiHow about their passion. You already know by now this podcast came about after my mom passed away. That's all I like to know. And ask them to take their younger sibling or siblings out for a walk. It's probably for a younger audience here. Number four, gently encourage them to do something about a problem. If they get moving, it'll help keep their anxiety at bay. If they can do something about their problem, even something small, suggest that they do it. And try offering to be there with them while they do it. Otherwise, just take a walk with them. Pretty simple when you get right down to it. This will help convince their brain that something has been done and the worrying can stop. Some examples suggest that they do a small part of a task they're worried about, such as writing a paragraph for their upcoming essay. This was clearly for students here. Again, I don't know how many people over the age of 18 and under, say, 25 listen to this podcast. Brainstorm and write down a plan for the family to handle the disaster they're afraid of. Assure them that now you you will all know how to handle it, so you need not worry anymore. Take a walk around the block. Talk about an issue that's on their mind. All right, I'm going to skip the stuff for the youngsters. I'm going to try to add this out as best I can. Number five, help them stay engaged. If they're depressed, they'll probably feel very tired and may self-isolate. Moderate amounts of interaction and attention will keep them from being stuck alone with their bad thoughts for too long. Or for too long. This was miswritten. Even if they decline sometimes, keep inviting them to do things. Encourage them to get out of the house. Or at least their bedroom. There's nothing wrong with saying, I love you and miss spending time with you. And it would make me happy if we could do X, Y, or Z together. Some ideas would be like, go for walks or sit outside together so they can soak up some sunshine. Take them out for a meal or coffee or something. Slightly older. Do quiet activities together, like reading to them or drawing. Sing along to their favorite songs or find good movies to watch together. Find something on Netflix. Number six, engage with their special interests. Talking about their passions can help autistic people feel more energized and happy. Paint with them, visit a space museum, listen to a monologue, or watch their favorite movies together. Again with that. Number seven, carefully introduce them to the autistic community. Autistic culture in general is very supporting, positive, and welcoming. It may help them get rid of some of their self-hatred about the ASD. Sometimes, this community talks about serious issues like abuse and human rights violations. Get into some uh, geopolitics or something like that. This is not good reading material for a person finding depression. So encourage them to be careful about the links they click 
and heed any and all trigger warnings that come up. Number eight, be accepting of who they are, autism and all. There's some important stuff coming up here as we get to the end. Loving actions show that they're not a burden and you're okay with them for who they are. People with autism who hide their autistic traits are at a higher risk for suicidality, so start encouraging them to be themselves. Here are some ways that you can show that you accept them. Number one, let them stim as much as they want. Now, stimming is like when you do repeated hand gestures and that makes them feel better. Forcing a person with autism to stop stimming may make things worse, especially if they're suicidal or have difficulty with accepting who they are as a person with autism. Honor all forms of communication, like echolalia means when you repeat something over and over again, much to the annoyance of other people, behavior like that, and do your best to understand. Be patient with their struggles. Support their special interests. Respond compassionately to meltdowns. Don't tell them things like, you're being silly, or oh, you're ruining our day, you idiot. Help them learn how to avoid meltdowns, but respond supportively when they happen. Supporting someone on the spectrum who has suicidal tendencies, that can be a real burden. You're both in that foxhole together. So it's imperative that you take time out for yourself too. You know, doctor, heal thyself. Take care of your own needs first and keep in mind that while you can be helpful to this person, you're not responsible for the well-being of the person with autism. Your physical and mental health matter too. Enlist other friends, family members, caregivers, whomever to build a support network for the person with autism. That way you won't be their only helper. So if you can't do it, somebody else can take care of the business right there. Take at least half an hour for me time every day. Take a bath, read a book, knit, do whatever calms you down and relaxes you. Take time to talk or vent about your feelings to another person. It's okay to feel stressed about your loved one being suicidal. It's a scary situation. And be upfront if you can't help them through a certain crisis. It's okay to say, while I care about you, I can't help you this time because I have something of my own I need to deal with. See if there's anybody else in your circle that can help out. We can talk another time. And more importantly, be there for them. Offer hugs, hold their hands, draw them pictures, hang out. Just saying I love you can help. And let them know in whichever ways feel best that they matter to you. We're all in this together. Hopefully I'm not getting too emotional here. The fact that I've been able to do this whole episode with a straight face, especially given the serious subject matter of this episode, has truly been, for lack of a better term, miraculous. So all I'm saying is we're here for each other, whether we're NTs or neurodivergent or whatever. Well, folks, there's no smooth segue out of the subject matter for this episode, so we're going to go right to the pod shout-outs and then sign off. First up, GFA Live, greetings from Allentown. Peter Winston and Keith Langston Live watched an episode of WWF Superstars. This is the one that aired the day after my sixth birthday, December 17, 1988. You can follow the podcast on Twitter, at GF Allentown Pod, and check out Peter's YouTube channel as well. The sportscaster, Steve Bennett, talked with Nick Underhill and Mike Triplett, launching this new website covering all things New Orleans Saints. 
And then also talk with Jeff Benedict with his new book about LeBron James. So that's a great interview there. You can listen, well, you can listen to the podcast on places you usually get them, but you can follow Steve and his podcast at sports underscore casters on Twitter and at the sportscasters on Instagram. There's also a side project, the 24-inch podcast. Steve, his daughter Paula, and Dave Rollins talked about WrestleMania 6. This is the one where Hulk Hogan lost the WWF title to the Ultimate Warrior. A memorable match that was. And so memorable and so, well, impactful, for lack of a better term, the episode lasted almost three hours. No joke. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at 24inchpod and Instagram at 24 underscore inch underscore podcast. Break it down show. Pete A. Turner, only one episode back from his little hiatus. Chris Thomas King, King of the Blues. You can follow the Break It Down show at Break It Down show across all your social media and the host of saying Pete A. Turner at Pete A. Turner. The Loyal Littles podcast, Chuck and Roxy talk with Jonathan Shapansky, Chief from Somerville, and Cameron Tabata Bay. Hopefully I didn't butcher that last name there. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Loyal Littles Pod on, yeah, I said on Twitter, Department of Redundancy Department, and you can also follow them at the Lolos Podcast on Instagram. And finally, the Anderson Center's podcast, which is rechristened 1 in 36. They talk with Dr. Deborah Napolitano and the update on autism prevalence rates and the inspiration why the title of this podcast got changed. You can follow the Anderson Center on Twitter at Anderson Autism and on Instagram at Anderson Center for Autism. As for this show, we're available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Overcast. Download, subscribe, follow, whatever you got to do. And also, if you have a podcatcher and we're not on there, Amazon Music, forget it. You can take the RSS feed from the show notes, copy it, paste it onto the podcatcher, you're golden. You'll have me whenever I come to you. If you're looking to show your support, you can follow me. Well, well, I want to get the social media. You can rate and review this podcast. You're more than welcome to do it. Five stars, good write-up, nothing nasty, nothing that would be untowards. And also Patreon. I have a Patreon, too. It's patreon.com slash K-I-T-Y podcast. So there's that. Show the financial support for your boy. I got to figure out what to have for a a dollar amount. I may have to go somewhere else for it too. I haven't pimped it out too much. I'll think about it and I'll get back to you in the next episode. Well, thanks for listening. I certainly appreciate you this episode of the Keep It To Yourself podcast number 183. We went into some real heavy shit in this episode. But fun times will be had, and hopefully you'll be in time for the Memorial Day weekend for this next episode. So I'll talk to you soon. Please take care of yourselves. As the late Jerry Springer once said, take care of each other, too. Love you guys. And you are loved, too. Take care. Talk to you next time. Bye-bye. Oh, by the way, keep smiling. Otis lives.